And uh, having the brownies come in uh, was, uh, you know, one of the nice things we get to do every once in a while. And what was uh, nice about last night was uh, they were uh, getting their democracy badges. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial 102.9. Today is Thursday, a leap day. Happy leap day. <laughs> I forgot, almost forgot about that. But we're talking with our town council chair, Tom Mercer. Last night there was a council meeting, so we're doing our normal Council recap, quarterbacking session. Okay, what just happened and what does it mean for us Franklin residents and taxpayers? So happy Leap Day, happy Thursday morning, Tom. And happy Thursday and happy Leap Day to you, Steve, and to all of our listeners. Yes, indeed. And you had a, a longish meeting, two hours on one particular topic and then three hours to cover. Well, the third hour really covered the rest of your business. So it was a busy night. It was it was a busy night and it was a, a lengthy night, but uh, uh, but a good one. Uh, we got some things accomplished and we, uh, uh, you know, had a public hearing on uh, uh on a land issue and that was kind of the length of the meeting uh there were a lot of residents there which was great uh there's nothing i like more than having a full uh council chambers for one of our council meetings regardless of why they're there but it just shows that people care and are interested in what's going on agreed yeah, and part of the crowd, if you will, um, uh, the Brownie Troop, I think if I recall correctly, was 64085, uh, uh, came to lead the pledge. Yes. And clearly a bunch of their family members brought the young Brownies to the, the, the event. So after they left after the pledge, it got some more room. So at least everybody who else was standing could sit. Exactly. And then, and uh, having the brownies come in uh, was, uh, you know, one of the nice things we get to do every once in a while. And what was uh, nice about last night was uh, they were uh, getting their democracy badges and uh, we met with them starting at six o'clock and there were uh, Jamie had a lot of our department heads come in and kind of explained what their jobs are. The town clerk explained hers. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Ryan Jetty from the recreation department was there. He walked them through the things that he does. Uh, Brickalai from Concom was there. Sure. Uh, and uh, arts and entertainment were there. There were. It was. Uh, it was really a uh, a good forty-five minute session. And Jamie and uh, you know some of the counselors were there. We got to explain to the children what what we're what our jobs are, uh, and we kind of as we normally do through Jamie under the bus 
and said, you know, <laughs> it's his job. <laughs> you hire uh, him to do all the grunt work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, we had some fun. We had some laughs. We had some funny questions. We had some very good questions. I'm sure. So, uh, yeah. uh, it was a good way to start the meeting for sure. Yeah. And uh, after they uh, led the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, Obviously, they left, and then we proceeded with uh, our regular meeting. Yeah, and then that clearly gets, I mean, for those who stuck around, clearly it showed democracy in action. Because, yeah, as we go back to that first public hearing uh, and setting the stage of people who were not aware, certainly you can go back to the radio uh, eventually, the TV audio, TV video is available for replay. I've already shared it out this morning, but... EDC last August, if I recall, had this discussion around potentially changing two lots near the fire station on King Street from residential, which is currently zoned, to commercial slash business for, you know, potential for additional revenue. Uh, exactly. It took some time, complicated by the election, because planning board members got changed and Council didn't really get changed, but then you needed to go through your uh, you know, subcommittee structures and all that kind of stuff. So verily, the process then brought that proposal back before you because you would refer it to the planning board. Then it comes back to you. And then effectively, after two hours of great, healthy discussion and a whole lot of engagement, learning a whole bunch along the way, you effectively took no action. <laughs> I'm going to refer it back to the planning board. So we're going to do this again. <laughs> exactly, Steve. And, uh, you know, as I said, it's always it's always nice when we have a full council chambers. And last night we did have a full council chambers. Uh, a lot of the residents from the area uh, came and expressed their concerns for uh, rezoning those two pieces of property. Uh, and just so that people understand, it's two pieces of property that are between the Franklin, uh, the fire station on King Street and the senior uh, housing uh, uh, building. So it's the two pieces of property, Encore, I think it is, right between those two pieces. So uh, what last night was, was the first reading of rezoning that. And as I said, there were uh, many residents there that expressed their concern, uh, their concerns, and mostly traffic related and uh, uh, a disruption of the neighborhood. And, you know, there are residents, there is residential zoning directly across the street. Uh, you know, most of that side of King Street is residential property. There is some commercial uh, that is up in the old Phelan Farm, as I call it, uh, which tucks in behind uh, and beside 495. So anyway, uh, the folks were there. Uh, and as you said, it was basically pretty close to two hours of uh, listening to the concerns of the neighborhood. And I think clearly the council uh, 
heard and uh, understood many of the concerns. Uh, part of the part of the issue that uh, we as a council continue to deal with, and it's something I stated last night, is you know over the last few years we bought the last two large parcels of property uh, in the town in uh, Maple Hill and uh, Schmidt's Farm. Uh, there's not a lot of that left. There's not a lot of buildable property left. Sizable land for buildable property. Yeah. yeah. And as we look at uh, our budget concerns as we move forward, which we'll get into a little bit later, uh, but as we look at those, one of the items, because of Proposition 2.5, we're restricted to how much taxes can increase uh, annually, and property taxes can only increase 2.5%. Uh, so we look at other avenues for uh, revenue and one of the avenues that's been very kind to us over the last 20 or 30 years is new growth. Uh -huh. And unfortunately, uh, in the last year or two, uh, new growth is declining. And it's declining for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which there is not a lot of property in town for this new growth to happen. So we are challenged with the uh, decisions to look at some of these smaller pieces of property that may be, uh, may be able to be used for commercial or business uh, or other uh, zoning changes to existing parcels. This happens to be one that came up uh, and uh, on paper, it looks like it's uh, a viable or reasonable option. It was taken to the planning board, as you stated, uh, back right around the election time. And unfortunately, because it started with the election, but didn't get voted until after the election, only three members of the planning board could in fact vote on it uh -huh. instead right. of the full five member planning board. Right. And after uh, listening to the residents last night, as well as listening to my fellow counselors, uh, you know, I kind of got the feeling, uh, and I know myself in my own mind, uh, I really would like to know uh, the full planning board's uh, feeling on uh, these two parcels. So it was suggested to the council that maybe uh, procedurally what is how could we make that happen? How could we go back to the planning board and ask that question uh, and of the full planning board? So after some discussion with the uh, town attorney who was uh, present last night, uh, we figured that the correct way procedurally for that to happen would be for us 
to take no action on the legislation that was on the, or vote to take no action on the legislation to move uh, that legislation for action item forward to uh, from a first reading to a second reading. Uh, and rather than vote that no, yes, we got, we couldn't get it back to the planning board unless we took no action. So right. yeah. uh, we voted last night to take no action and procedurally what will happen now, uh, hopefully at our next meeting, uh, it will come back uh, as a different action item, uh, as a different number, I believe, and we'll then we'll be able to refer it to the planning board and start the process again, where it would be referred to the planning board, they would review it, recommendation back to the town council, then we would again have a first reading and a second reading before it would be instituted. Uh, yeah. But at least we'll have a, uh, uh, a recommendation from a five-member planning board who really do get into the nitty-gritty of a lot of these issues, uh, which is why things get referred to them before they come back to us, just to help us with those decisions. And they are difficult decisions, and I totally, I totally get that. It, it's, you know, uh, we get elected as uh, counselors to look at these very difficult issues and we really have to look at them as to what is in the best interest of the entire community. Uh, and sometimes those are very difficult. And obviously last night was one of those. So um, hopefully moving forward, uh, uh, we'll be able to uh, get a reference, get a recommendation from the planning board and make a very informed decision as we move forward. Yeah, and tough decision remains really as well, because uh, I think it was reinforced a couple of points during the session last night. <clears throat> the decision effectively is, should it be zoned residential and obviously keep within the neighborhood, even though the fire station is there and then the nursing, senior housing is there, it's really kind of set back. So it really is kind of that residential feeling. Traffic is certainly going to be an issue no matter what goes in, <laughs> even if it was a residence and remained as such. Traffic would be an issue because of the situation where it is. There's already some mitigation proposed so that if that other lot across the street, which has been permitted for business development, if that comes through, then as part of their work, they would be providing some funding for additional mitigations to that intersection. But when that's going to happen is still dependent upon what they're going to do. And exactly. yeah, planning board needs to do that. Uh, ultimately, the master plan, and we'll put a focus on that because they've got some forums coming forward. The master plan certainly has uh, at the whole level meeting on a regular basis. They've got five subcommittees. They're starting to work through to actually bring forward action items and recommendations and we would heartily encourage folks to participate and see what those recommendations are, because those recommendations effectively 
will be driving some of your goals from a council level in terms of should we approve this, yes or no? Because, oh, by the way, they now have said we need to prioritize. And I don't know exactly what it is because we haven't read that, but they're going to prioritize something and that's going to color future decisions. Without question, without question. And and again, uh, we continue to ask at our meetings and we continue to tell the residents that please get involved, uh, tune in. Uh, there are many avenues for you to get the information that's being talked about for your community. Be a part of it. Help us with those decisions. Uh, call us. Send us emails. Let us know your thoughts and feelings. And and again, what you know, the, obviously a major concern of all the les- residents there were you know, uh, having a gas station or something like that uh-huh. in that piece of property. That's not that's not the decision that the council is being asked to decide on. What the council is being asked to do is, is the best interest, uh, is the best decision for those two pieces of property, uh, commercial business, or is it better residential? What is the best use of those two pieces of property? Then later on down the road, if it were to be changed, then the planning, they would have to go before the planning board as to what gets built there and how it gets built there. Those are all decisions of the planning board. And or ZBA, depending or, on the nature. Or ZBA, absolutely. And depending upon the nature of the proposal, whatever exactly. that proposal finally comes to be. And exactly. I think this is clearly also one of, it, it, it certainly is not the first time, but it's going to be one of the more frequent things you're going to be addressing because as we've discussed, there is no big lots of buildable land. So we've got these little pieces here and there. Somebody somewhere along the way is going to ask for another change or another change, or maybe the master plan committee in what it's doing on the land use, et cetera, will come forward with a list of all these are the little spots where we need to make changes. And we're going to have this discussion again because, oh, by the way, one of the things that also was referenced last night, as much as we enjoy kind of the neighborhood look and feel, it requires services to be provided somebody has to pay for it. And the yeah. question is who and when and how, and that is truly a community decision. Obviously you're making it on our behalf, but you're taking our input too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So more to come on that. Stay tuned. Absolutely more to come. <laughs> uh, and you did get some good news from the OPEB financial report. And for the reference, OPEB is other post-employment benefits. For those who have been around a little bit, at one point in time, this was talked of for a number of years as being the big albatross that Franklin needed to resolve. Fortunately, I think it's now come to a realization that you have, on our behalf at least, have taken some significant steps who are better in a position to fund it. And then I believe once that Norfolk County uh, retirement piece gets funded, we'll be able to shift those funds to further fund OPEB. So in terms of the albatross, it's not really there. Yes, there is a financial debt, and we will, we're will we in a better position, oh, by the way, than even the state and many of the other communities in order to deal with it. Absolutely, and, and the community really needs to understand that this is, we are in this position because of the foresight of 
our administration, our former town administrator, as well as our current town administrator, our former town councils mm-hmm. uh, and current town council who have who have had the foresight to put aside money to make sure we were in as good a position as we could possibly be in. Uh, you know, it's still a daunting number. It's still a $70 million number right. Uh, right. that uh, we need to fund. But as uh, Mr. Sherman, Dan Sherman, who is our OPEB guru, uh, who comes and reports every year, uh, he continues to tell us we are in one of the better shapes of all of the communities in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, obviously, there are some that are funded, the Wellesleys and, uh, you know, the Dovers and those mm-hmm. those towns. But in our particular case, uh, we're in really good shape and it's really thankful uh, to the former town councils as well as the current town council who continues with the foresight to continue to put money aside to help reduce the OPEB obligations that our community continues to have. And help me clarify too, but I believe one of his points as well, and clearly we're doing the funding and that was a lot of focus on the funding, but I think in the course of his discussion presentation last night, he also referenced that Effectively, we're also managing the expense side. And he gave kudos to the town and presumably Karen Bratt and uh, human resources, et cetera, for better managing the healthcare costs. Right? Because that was a significant drop in some of the projections which led to our better position overall. So it's mm-hmm. the day-to-day decisions as well as those long-term decisions that put us in a position where we are. Exactly. And again, that's why I say I applaud the administration and you bring in Karen Brad from Human Resources, who continues to do a, a wonderful job at uh, uh, reviewing our health care costs on an annual basis. And as you just alluded to, that's something that uh, Dan uh, Sherman had projected, I think, a 350 or $340 uh, piece. And it was actually came in at 290 And uh, that was a huge savings for us uh-huh. and helps reduce the overall nut that we're uh, faced with. So... Uh, Great job by our administrative team and uh, continued good job by uh, our, our council's former and present. Yep. And then one other minor addition to that, but critical addition, I think, <clears throat> to the collaboration through the, I think it's the insurance council that meets on a regular basis, also includes all the uh, employee bargaining units because they have to agree to uh, the a plan changes accordingly. And that collaboration certainly has helped put us in a position where we are. Without question. Without question, it has. Yep. And then we can't totally get away from budget because you also approved the capital improvement plan, uh, which effectively utilizes or takes kind of the first pass of the free cash. Free cash is neither free nor cash, but (laughs) as we've talked in other places and quickly to say, 
if once the budget is approved, if there are funds that we don't expend and or revenues that come in over what we projected, that gets certified by the state as free cash. And we utilize that to fund what we call a capital plan. There's still some discussion around whether that should just be kind of like free cash spending <laughs> as opposed to a capital improvement plan, because yeah, in a perfect world, we should have a capital plan and we're using the money we have available to do that. Yes, and and it's kind of morphed into uh, what you were alluding to uh, from a capital plan. It, it, it's it, it is still uh, we we look at it as as a capital plan, and many of the items uh, in in it are actual capital expenditures. Some are could be could be lo looked at and viewed as things that should be within the budget. Yeah, recurring uh, operational expenses. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the issue that we've had with some of that is because of the process of building the budget and putting the expenses together. Uh, and by the time everything gets certified by the state is the end of July, but yet we have to have a certified budget in beforehand. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, we have to leave some things out there that we would like to have in the operational budget, but we can't because we have to present a balanced budget. Then we come back and pick them up in our capital uh, expenditures. So mm -hmm. that's a short version of how and why some of the things that are in capital that you might look at and say, well, that should be in operations. Right. And uh, we don't disagree, but sometimes uh, uh, because of the process, we need to do it this way. Well, the practical matter, all the respect, is we just simply need, need more money. <laughs> and <laughs> To Clearly, at least, the pot is only so big. The pot is only so big. A bigger pot. Yeah, and at least we're creative in utilizing the funds that we do have, um, and you know that's that's the way it is. So, mm -hmm. and then you had another good happy moment uh, with recognition and acceptance of some gifts uh, to veteran services, senior center, and police department. Exactly. And I continue to applaud the efforts of our community, our local businesses, as well as uh, individuals uh, and organizations that continue to support the services uh, that we provide to, uh, in a lot of cases, our veterans, uh, as well as the senior center, uh, public safety uh but we just can't thank uh, the residents and local businesses enough for their ongoing support of veteran services, senior center, public, public safety, library, uh, all of these things that they continue to support. And without uh, those dollars, a lot of functions couldn't be, couldn't be done. Mm -hmm. True, true. Yep. And moving on, one of your recurring items, and maybe because of some other legislation the governor has provided, uh, you may not have to do that going forward. But <clears throat> what has been termed the cable funds in support of PEG. So spelling that out, it's the 
public educational and government access, which frankly, the TV and radio of which I represent in this particular case, uh, we appreciate those funds because that gives us the wherewithal to broadcast the meetings on the public channel, the all access channel, the Panther, uh, Pride, all the sporting events, and then the government meetings. Uh, so a key aspect of all the services that TV and radio provide are effectively funded by the cable users and currently, you at least have to be in the approval cycle to say, yay, Verily, we got this from Verizon Comcast, and it goes to Franklin TV. Um, so just to thank you for continuing to do that, because we need that funding to do what we do. Absolutely, Steve, and thank you. Thank you for saying that, uh, uh, because I know uh, if people are watching our uh, council meetings, they see the PEG access come up on a regular basis. They may not know exactly what that is. And we tend to, uh, you know, the, the, the actual reading of the resolution is rather lengthy. Uh, <laughs> so it tends, tends to get waved. Well, especially uh, when you get a long session and it gets later and later in the evening, you know, it, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's something that we wish we could uh, vote that once a year annually uh, so that it just could uh, continue that way. Uh -huh. But unfortunately, the way the Mass General Laws is set up currently, and I say currently because there is uh, a... Uh, something in the works that would allow that to happen so that we would only have to vote it once a year rather than on a monthly basis. Yep. So, uh, but thank you for explaining it so that our listeners can do understand what the PEG access money actually goes to. And it's supporting the great work of Franklin TV, Franklin Radio, as you say, the Panther uh, TV station. Uh, radio. So uh, again, yeah. thank you for that. Yeah, no, glad to help. And well, just to clarify as well, it certainly pays for the equipment, <clears throat> all the broadcast services. Chris in the booth when supporting the meetings, I volunteer, so I get no remuneration for this, but I do get use of the equipment, which helps me do what we do. So and absolutely, and you do such a wonderful job adjusting the microphones at council <laughs> uh, for the residents that we really appreciate that. It goes sometimes goes unnoticed, but thank you for that, Steve. Well, it just I'm there. Uh, it it makes sense. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes my head's down taking notes, and I don't realize somebody needs it adjusting. But <laughs> we try. We try to help. Absolutely. And then the other piece you at the. Um, End of the meeting, Jamie also teased in his uh, administrator's report, um, but a significant budget discussion starts uh, for FY25 on next Wednesday, March 6th. And Jamie teased that we'll find out tomorrow, but there's something in the neighborhood of a 10.5 million budget deficit across uh, town. Yeah, 10.1, 10 I think. 10.1, okay, whatever. It's, it's 10 something. <laughs> it, it's it's a huge, huge, scary number. Yeah. And again, that number will be dwindled down as this whole process starts. 
but the beginning of this process is next Wednesday night, uh, seven o'clock, the council chambers, uh, and it's a meeting of the joint budget subcommittee, which is made up of your three uh, financial bodies within the town, meaning the town council, the school committee, and the finance committee. So they are, it's a joint budget subcommittee, which is made up of the budget subcommittees of those three bodies. And the process will start that night where Jamie will lay out uh, the budget as well as, uh, you know, the first go at the budget and uh, what the deficit looks like. And we will start to discuss what things we may need to do to close the gap because as I just alluded to a few minutes ago, we are required by law to pass a balanced budget. Mm. And over the next uh, March, April, and May, over the next three months, uh, we will have to get that number to zero and yeah. present a balanced budget. And that is going to take some very, very difficult decisions for the entire community. So please, as residents, tune in, come to the council chambers, come to these meetings, give us your input, uh, send us emails, call us, talk to us. If you have questions, call us and ask us. I mean, a big piece of this will be, uh, as, as you look, there's the municipal part of the government and there's the schools part of the government. And we, we will be looking uh, totally across the board at uh, what services uh, we are currently being provided. And when I say that, what, we're, what the, the 10.1 million that uh, Jamie alluded to last night is basically looking at the current level of services uh, with a few exceptions uh, in order to current to continue to provide the current level of services, our deficit is this number. Uh -huh. Wow. Yeah. We yeah, as a council have some work to do. Absolutely. We as a community have some work to do. Yeah. Yeah, work to understand the nuances within the details. And I know having caught the school committee uh, and discussed with the school committee chair, uh, I was away for their meeting on the 13th where they got their preview, but the school department had laid out kind of the level service. And again, to your point, if if they continued last year's budget, last year's services with this year FY25 budget, it would cost, I think, in the neighborhood of six to seven million more for the same level of service. No additions. <laughs> so that yeah. doesn't even add back the middle school uh uh, activities that certainly generated a lot of uh, conversation last time. Um, and thereby, you know, that's that's a starting point because if we don't get that, there's going to be some cuts. If we do get that, how are we going to pay for it? And all of that is going to be starting next Wednesday. So, yeah, highly encourage everybody to be involved in that discussion because there's only so much you can do to 
increase revenues. And we've already talked, certainly you've already implemented the stormwater fees. Sewer went up to pay for the uh, Beaver Street Interceptor. Uh, water rate may go up because of the PFAS requirements. I mean, you're already getting revenue in places, but it's and all coming out of the same bucket. Yeah, and the Tri-County School as well. Uh, yeah, these are all in a couple increase. of years that'll come yeah, through. Yes, yeah. yeah. So these these are all uh, increases to the tax base that our residents uh, uh, are going to feel in their pockets. And mm -hmm. Clearly understand that, and you know, uh, uh, there's been much discussion regarding uh, the need for an override. Uh, all of those things will be discussed uh, as we uh, start the budget process uh, next Wednesday night. So please tune in, come to the meeting, zoom into the meeting, call us, email us with your questions and concerns. Yep, definitely. Well, thank you for taking time today to recap last night's session, and hopefully this will help the listeners, residents, and taxpayers, and business owners as well to better understand what's going on in Franklin. Um, so thank you again for that. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for having me, and uh, uh, thank the listeners for continuing to listen to some of these quarterbacking sessions to kind uh, of get a shorter recap of uh, uh, what was a three-hour meeting. So, Yep, indeed. And for the listeners, quick reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.